On this episode of Fantasy NFL Today, we have a very special, awesome guest on the show today to help me break down the Las Vegas Raiders and everything you need to know heading into your 2021 fantasy drafts. We discuss why Darren Waller will finish as the number one overall tight end this season, what to do with this backfield after the addition of Kenyon Drake, and which wide receiver has the most value on this team. All of these questions will be answered, and it starts right now. Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by HoopBall. Today is Thursday, July 29th. I am your host, Anthony Germain, and you can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word. On today's episode, there's only two teams left to cover in the AFC. If you missed any of this week's episodes where we broke down the Chargers and the Chiefs, be sure to go back and check those out, or any of our other episodes for that matter. Lots of great information involving who you should be targeting in this year's 2021 fantasy drafts. You won't want to miss all of our sleepers and gems that you can find hidden deep in these cookie cutter rankings put out by most of these larger companies like your ESPNs, Yahoo's, or CBS's. But today we have a very special guest on the pod to help me break down these Las Vegas Raiders. He is a former colleague of mine from the NFL Network. Just an absolute legend among the human race, a real down-to-earth guy. We'll tell you how it is. You can follow him on Twitter at Timon Amiri. That's T-E-E-M-O-N, Amiri, all one word on Twitter. I mean, the guy has won an Emmy for crying out loud, and you can always swipe up to learn more about him. He is Timon Amiri. Timon, how are you? Wow, what an intro. Thank you, Anthony. Flattered. I mean, yeah, uh, the best intro for the best for the best type of person. So oh, it's, you're getting good at this. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, we're, we're trying to get, you know, people more interested in football over here at HoopBall, uh, mainly a basketball website. But, you know, we're dipping our toes in the different pools here. But first things first, I got to ask you to start off the pod that I know that the Raiders have moved to this new stadium last year. But how are we feeling about the Las Vegas Raiders? I mean, Las Vegas was our old stopping grounds. And I know they're offering bottle service in the back of that end zone. So how long is it until we actually do this? Uh, I think we're doing it in uh, week seven, right? I look, I was, I was all on board for that trip. But the cheapest ticket for that Eagles Raiders game was $700 in the nosebleeds. There's no way I'm forking up that type of cash for that ticket. Yeah, I honestly wouldn't mind going even if a game wasn't playing and just going in the end zone there. Right, so, but I know, think you have to still to have a ticket to get into that that section. It's bottle service, yeah, it dude. Depends. Are they win encore? That might be. They might amp up the price if they are. That's true. I actually didn't we think gotta, about that. We gotta that. figure that out. It instead probably of, is. Instead of paying seven hundred dollars for a nosebleed ticket, if it's a thousand dollars for the for the club bottled service ticket, I mean, we should just do that. Yeah, because we get our drinks, we get a good view, you know. <laughs> and you, 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 we've been out together. We we don't short. We're not short on the drinks. We're 
no. keep them coming, regardless right. of what the receipt says at the end. Right, exactly. And how long until a until a ball that Derek Carr sails too far over the uh, back of the end zone just cracks a, Dude, a waitress in the, the back of the head? He could literally kill one of them. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. It's, like it's scary. This is dangerous. Yeah, he'll he'll probably do it often too. Yeah, well, you know what? I hope one day we get to do that. Maybe not. Maybe it won't be the Eagles this year, which obviously would be the great, the greatest because you know the Eagles only come into town every eight years or so because they're in different conferences. Uh, but you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll go out there one weekend and we'll just go see like a a Raiders Jets game, and it might be half the price. So, all right. So it wasn't too long ago when these Raiders had one of those magical seasons, going twelve and four back in twenty sixteen with the number two seed in the AFC. Carr was entering his third season. He goes down with the season-ending injury, forcing the team to roll out Matt McGloin in the playoffs. And, you know, the ultimate result was an early-round exit. Yeah. Now, looking back on it now, they might have won a Super Bowl that year considering how well they were playing because they would have played the Falcons. But since then, they blew the whole team up, brought in Gruden as the highest-paid coach of all time, Mike Mayock as the new GM, with hopes of turning this team around, you know, through player personnel and play calling, specifically on the offensive side. But things haven't gone so smoothly. They've consistently no. made highly questionable decisions on draft night with rumors floating around of a power struggle between Gruden and Mayock. And since Gruden's arrival in 2018, the team has gone just 19 and 29. So we seem to be stuck in neutral again here. Where are we at with Gruden heading into this 2021 season? Are we still knocking on wood? I mean, I, I think, you know, he he has – and the division, he, he's in the worst situation because that division is just stacked. And mm-hmm. I think the Broncos are even going to be better than people think because their defense is pretty sweet. But he'll just – I don't know. I don't, I'm not a locker room guy. I don't know if the players trust him or not. But if he can't get that team to be competitive this year, then, I mean, you're probably going to lose a lot of trust in the front office and – you know, in the locker room, because it's been, it's been, that's his fourth year now, or is it his fifth year? This is his fourth season. I mean, the slow progression of what, what he started four and uh, 12, and then whatever, seven and nine last year, and now eight and eight. It's like, come on, like, you can't, you can't take that long to rebuild. And, you know, you look at teams like the Dolphins, they had like the worst roster in the NFL, like, you know, it was only like two years ago, and now they're legitimate almost a Super Bowl content like they're that good so it's like everyone else is just rebuilding and adapting and you know it it's kind of make or break I think it I mean he's has his contract whatever you know I'm sure Mark Davis loves him but like you know if you can't if you can't perform this fourth year then like what are you doing with the team like what right it's it's just a bleak future like it's been long enough. You you did draft some pretty solid franchise player. Like I think Josh Jacobs is amazing. You know Max mm-hmm. Crosby. Um, well, here's the thing, though. I agree with you. He's he's kind of a rah rah guy, right? Like, and those guys, exactly. they really, yeah, they don't last long unless they're winning. Like, look at everybody else in the past. I I mean, like uh, he's not a coach, but look at Jameis Winston. Remember when he went to the Buccaneers in the beginning? Uh, eat a W and hype the team up and do this, yep. but then he'd go out and throw four interceptions in one game, and then you know you just lose the you lose the locker room that way. Yeah, and we we started off we had, we were six and three last year and like pretty locked in to make the playoffs without the AFC was, and then somehow they ended up blowing it, losing mm-hmm. to you know we lost many games that we should have won, 
mm-hmm. you know, luckily we beat the Jets, which was a fluke. They should have beat us, which is crazy. <laughs> we got crushed by the Falcons. It's just like, it's just too inconsistent of like football the, by them. Like, right, and then you guys will go out and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and that's not that's not a good sign. Like that shows really bad character when you play to your team's level. Like you should always play at one level, which is to win. But if you're gonna play the Falcons like the Falcons, or and then you play the Chiefs like you're a Super Bowl contender, it's like you got to be consistent. Like you can't you can't you know beat Mahomes and then go lose to the Falcons three weeks right. later by thirty points. Right. It's almost like Gruden basically plans his whole offseason to beat the Chiefs but almost forgets about everybody else. Yeah, this this year was lucky. People think we beat them twice even though we only beat them once. But you you look at the pat even last year too, you know, the Raiders looked pretty good up until mid season and then they always end up, you know, that second half of the season they can't sustain their play. And mm-hmm. it's like that's Gruden, you know you're you're a Super Bowl winner. You've been in the league for a while. You're locked in with the Raiders. It's like how, like, what's it gonna take at this point? Like, right. And to and to your point, actually, with the Dolphins, how they kind of turned it around quickly. Gruden had a nice trifecta of players that he he basically just you know cast away. He had Khalil Mack, who was the leader of yeah. that defense. He had Amari Cooper, who was absolutely killing it for the Raiders, and they, they still have Carr, but. He just, you know, he traded these guys away. It's almost like he wanted to build from the bottom and just say, you know, this is my team and look what I did. He's like yeah, almost trying it, to prove a point instead of winning a football game or winning the championship. Yeah, especially right after the Raiders seemed like they were on the cusp of turning things around franchise-wise. But right. his rebuilding, it's like, sure, all right, you gave away Mac, you gave away Cooper all at once, fine. You're starting from ground zero. But then it's like they he keeps doing something where it's like, He's going two steps back instead of a step right. forward where it's like, why are you almost – it's like last year it seems like we're starting from ground zero again every year. It's like you have to have some consistency and, you know, it's 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 just not working obviously, which is crazy because like Mayock could draft very – I like Mayock, but like – There's a power struggle. Crush it in the second ra- – yeah, you're, you're crushing it in like the late rounds, but how are you missing on your – first round picks like right I don't right no like but here but but here's something interesting that i found while doing some research here a little spider two y banana and this offense has actually improved because when gruden first came in in 2018 the offense was ranked 28th overall then the following year in 2019 they bumped up a little bit to being the 24th overall offense but this is where my eyebrows raised a bit last year they actually ranked as the 10th best offense Right. In, in yeah. the league, which is crazy. So even though the team's record hasn't improved that much, which is clearly now the problem of the defense, right? If you have the 10th best offense in the league, the defense is the problem. Yeah, I should have mentioned that. And it's good you mentioned that, too. They actually like, which is why I like Jacobs a lot, too. I think he got, I think he's getting a little unnecessary, you know, slander mm-hmm. for some reason. I don't know why, but this year. Um, but yeah, you know, Carr, it, it I guess that's the good thing, you know, in the past two years, Carr was, it seemed like he regressed from his big almost MVP year, but then mm-hmm. he looked really, really sharp last year. And like you mentioned, the offense was very good. Like you said, 10th, but mm-hmm. the defense was just so bad that, you know, it, it, even though the offense ranked, you know, top 10 and it showed, it's just when your defense is that bad, 
I don't know if you did research on defense. I'm pretty sure they were at the very least the bottom three and maybe the last in many categories. But yeah, it's um, just, it's. I haven't done. I didn't really look at where they were ranked, but I know that the secondary primarily is the problem. Yeah, and like when your leading sack guy is getting six sacks, your right. team could barely get sacks. You could you get pre- they're terrible at pressure. They've been terrible at pressure since Mac, and even when he was with the Raiders, it was it was just him. Everyone mm-hmm. else was. You know, it just shows like you could have the best offense in the league. You know, Chiefs have one of the best offenses, but they still have a very good defense. Like you can't, it, you can't be one sided in football. You have to be like, you know, if you have a top ten uh, offense, you better have like at least the top like eighteen defense, like a middle of the road uh, defense. Or if you're a great yeah. defense like the Broncos and your offense sucks, it's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's plenty of times where Raiders were scoring points in garbage time, too. So it's not like... Well, that's you know. good for fantasy players. Yeah. And that's 100%. actually something I kind of wanted to hit on at, at right here in this moment. So since the team most likely going into this year, unless the defense dramatically improves, I know they added uh, that safety out of TCU, Morning or Morning. Morning, yeah. yeah. But unless they dramatically improve, I still see this team probably playing from behind most of the time, which is good news for fantasy players. So what I wanted to do on this fantasy podcast was start with the best player on the Raiders. He's considered one of the big three in the fantasy community. And of course, I'm talking about the tight end, Darren Waller. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't even, I didn't mention him earlier. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he I is, mean, he's just an absolute stud. And in fantasy, the tight end position is a barren wasteland, and there's a lot of people that will go out of their way to get one of these top three guys. And the top three guys I'm talking about are Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Darren Waller. Yep. And they're willing to give up that early draft capital to go get him. So Waller commanded the fourth most targeted shares among all positions in the league, not just tight end. Like wow. fourth, fourth most targeted in the wide receiver, running back, and the tight end department. And with this wide receiver core being pretty much identical from last year, minus the switch out from Nelson Aguilar to John Brown, Mm -hmm. we should see this trend to pretty much continue with Waller. So last year, he caught 107 balls, just under 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns. But the interesting thing here is he actually got 25 targets in the end zone, which is about one and a half targets per game, which is a lot. You know, you're getting targeted. at least one time a game in the in the end zone. That's that's a lot. And what do you get? Nine touchdowns. He got nine touchdowns, but in it's the a red great zone, conversion rate. But in oh, the, red zone. I'm in, sorry. In okay. the end zone here, he only came down with six of those twenty-five targets, which is crazy. So what I'm thinking here is, since he's getting plenty of targets in the end zone, and he only came down with six of them, uh, his touchdown rate has to go up. It has to go up this year. Yeah. Like even though he had a fantastic year last year. He, I feel like he can only get better this year, and his yeah. current and his current ADP where he's going in the draft this year is at the back the back end of the third round. So instead of somebody grabbing a wide receiver in the, or I'm sorry, instead of somebody grabbing a running back who might be splitting carries in the third round or maybe starting to get a premier wide receiver, I think it might actually be smart to go and get Darren Waller because heading into this season with that amount of targets, he should theoretically. See his touchdown product. See his touchdown production go up, considering that he only grabbed six of those twenty-five. Yeah, and the hope is that you know Rugs and Brian Edwards, they they could be healthy, and you know the offense could actually be established as a healthy unit 
and not keep changing every week, which I think will only help him too. The only the only problem I see with um, I th- I honestly I'm biased. I even think he's you know tied for the best tight end in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking not fantasy, just regular. No, but not- the only yeah the only fantasy problem I see is that they it seems like with Kenyon Drake and you know Incognito coming back and drafting the Leatherwood from Alabama that they want to go back to being you know dominant run and. I feel like Jacobs is going to be a lot better this year. Not that he was bad last year. It just it just seemed a little off. Everything. Right. Um, and to your point, that's what the Raiders do. They they're 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 definitely a run first team. Like Gruden has always tried to establish that run and take his shot down the field when he can. So to your point, I I agree with you on that. Yeah, that's the only tough thing. Although I did see like Waller is legitimately like he could be like a legitimate actual star star. You know, so I wouldn't be surprised if he just goes nuts, even though he went nuts last year, just because he's the best player on the Raiders. He really is. Right. And here's here's the thing. Like, people are actually taking Travis Kelsey in the first round. But Travis Kelsey is coming off a pinnacle career-high year, entering the age of 32. Like, he had a career-high in yards, a career-high in touchdowns. And usually when players are coming off that pinnacle year, there's only really room for them to go down. George yeah. Kittle is the other tight end, but he's dealt with injuries in the past two seasons, and we really don't know what the 49ers' new offense with Trey Lance under center is going to look like. Yeah. And then you could argue Mark Andrews, but his production also dipped last year as the league yeah. continues to figure out Lamar Jackson. So I actually agree with you 100%, and I don't think it's biased. I think Waller, it's very possible we see him ascend to the number one tight end overall this year, and getting him in the third round is an absolute steal, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I, I forgot what – I saw one of the uh, odds came out that um, it wasn't too bad of him actually being the league leader in touchdown receptions over everybody. Um, I wish I remembered it or saved it. but Well, and like you said, the receivers on your team aren't that strong. And Carr is going to consistently check down to this guy. He's the guy. Like, he's the star yeah, on the Raiders. Yeah, he's a big yak guy, too. He breaks tackles. He, he does everything. Like, he's, right. he's and, great for that. And he's the cheapest of the, the trifecta. He's still in his prime. He's in the prime of his career at 28 years old. I got to be honest, unless Keenan Allen or Allen Robinson are available in that third round, because I usually like to get a wide receiver in the third round, I'm taking Waller. I am. Because the other guys that are going to be there, the C.D. Lambs, the Mike Evans, the Justin Jeffersons, all those guys are great, but they're competing for targets with the other receivers yeah. on the other side of the field. Yeah, and Waller always gets his receptions no matter what. Like even last last year when he only had three touchdowns or whatever, he was getting targets. He had a few games where he had over 14 receptions. Like he's he's getting especially in that PPR, he's getting the ball. He's getting the ball a lot or at he's least going to him. Yeah. He's, he's the and guy. And he's consistent too. Like he he never really has a bad game. He at the very least, he'll you know his bad game will be like a ten point game maybe, and you'll take that from a right, tight end. Even if and that'll happen once maybe. And even if you get one of those receivers, like I was just talking about, like a Mike Evans or whatever, you're gonna take seven to ten points regardless, like every single week. So I think with the tight end position being that rare position to get a really good guy in, I think he's definitely worth taking. Yeah, I agree. Because if you don't get one of the three, then you're yeah you're you're gonna be you're, you're just really struggling. trying to find the next Robert Tanyan. That's what you're doing. Yeah, and you know, good luck with that. But let's move on. 
to another really big aspect of this offense. We touched on him a tiny bit. I want to talk about him more in depth. That is the running back, Josh Jacobs. So last year, this guy was coming off the board as a late first round slash early second round pick. Uh, you know, he finished with, <clears throat> oh no, I'm sorry. He finished his two, his first two seasons. This will be a third season. So he finished his first two seasons over 1,000 rushing yards, but he hasn't been so great in the reception department. So I think that's why they went ahead and signed Kenyon Drake. Uh, and that has made his stock plummet. A lot, which I don't understand. Right. You know, it, which, I, I've seen, yeah, I've seen mock drafts of him, like not going to like the eighth round, like, so, so, so Jacobs, it, it's plummeted, but it actually hasn't plummeted as far as you might think. Some people are getting him in the fourth and fifth round, but his average ADP is actually a late third round pick. Okay. So it's, it's not terribly late, but if we're taking him in the third round, most people are probably looking at him as, his, as their running back two. Kind of scares me a little bit. Um, but with Kenyon Drake being there, which by the way, Kenyon Drake, I'm sure you'll agree with me on this point. He's kind of got that Hollywood Brown thing going for him, right? You know, the overrated. He gets kind of a pass yeah. He's for just another. Performing. Yeah, he's just yeah. another guy that's gained popularity, who's never really accomplished anything, but a few pop games here and there. Like consistency. Yeah. Consistency has always been Drake's problem. Yeah, I agree, and I, I I didn't understand the contract with him. You know, um, I thought you know if you want a complimentary back to Jacobs, there's plenty of other options. It could be good. I mean, it depends how he's used, but, you know, Jacobs, I know he only had 33 receptions last year. It was still an improvement from his rookie year. And also, he, it's not like he, he's not dropping balls. He, they're just not really throwing it to him. I don't know. I don't have his target numbers up. I'm just well, looking yeah, at his receptions. I, I'm not sure if he's dropping balls, but like you said, they're just not throwing it to him. I don't know if they just don't have faith that he'll, you know, he's a he's a pass catching back or what, but I think that's why they brought in Jake to be that pass catching back. Um, you know, I like Jacobs. I just not as a third rounder uh, is just a little too high for me, especially like I said, like if Keenan Allen, or Allen Robinson, or, or a guy Dale, uh, Darren Waller are available, you know, I'm definitely going there. So Jacobs as a third round pick, it's a little high for me. I actually, I know you touched on the offensive line a little bit ago, but I have a little bit, you know, of a concern with this offensive line. You know, they moved on from three of their starters from last year. So, you know, how they'll gel is still a question. Um, I think if I can get Jacobs in the fourth or maybe the fifth round as my RB3 or flex, I'm more happy. I'm more than happy to. That's wild if you could get him because this guy, you know. But people are down on him. He had 12 touchdowns last year. That had to that has to be the leading or one of the top. But that was before they brought him back. But that was before they brought in uh, Drake. Yeah, but I'm just saying from a fantasy perspective, he's performing very well for, you know, for having an O-line that wasn't great last year. They mm-hmm. weren't great. I know his yards per carry went down, but he still put up 1,000. He still put up 12 touchdowns. He got more receptions. And the guy was always breaking tackles behind the line of scrimmage. That's it's like, true. There's only so much you could do. It's not like he was getting big holes. That guy never gets big holes. That guy's always breaking tackles. He's always getting hit. As a matter of fact, I I always see him break multiple tackles every game and get five more yards than he should. Like he's he a beast. Kenyon Drake will get you know pummeled behind the line of scrimmage on some of the Jacobs's runs where he'll get like eight yards. Are you like, are you concerned about the schedule at all? Because like we already talked about, you have to play the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Chiefs, who's always an underrated defense. 
and not only not only just those teams twice a year, the first three games that you guys play, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Miami, and then throw in Chicago within your first three weeks, those are all stout teams against the run. It just seems like an uphill battle, at least in the rushing department. Yeah. Um, you know, the good thing is the Raiders, for some odd reason, they always play, they always run pretty well mm-hmm. against good good run defenses. Um, I, I don't know. I might be wrong on that. I'm just going by... I'm just going by well, you how watch, you know you you watch the games more than I do, so you might uh, you might be right about that. Yeah, like we mentioned earlier, they always play well against good competition, which is uh, it's not a good trait. You should always be playing well. I I, I I'm I'm not that concerned that mu- that much because I think Gruden will definitely improve because he literally has no choice um, after going eight and eight and such a slow, gradual, you know, lack of growth. He has to like he. He, he has to know in the back of his head that he's effed if they don't do something exciting this year. Right. Um, you know, there's there's an extra playoff spot, which, you know, could help him out. You never know what happens in the AFC. Um, it always seems like the Raiders are in the hunt, you know, up until week 10. And hopefully they could do that again and just sustain it this time. The only good thing is, though, I do think their defense is going to be a lot better than what it was in the past. Like, a lot better. Even though there's still young, um, the rookie's great. Uh, Morig, I think he's going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, he he should have went in the first round. It's great that we were able to get him. And then Yannick, I, I think they're going to be a lot. Like, you can't be worse than what you were last year. And right. I think, you know, they could jump up, you know. To be a you know maybe like a top twenty if you could be a top twenty defense and if Raiders could have another top ten offense it's probably good enough to make the playoffs as a seventh or sixth seed in the AFC especially because I hate to say it but you know some good team is going to get riddled by injuries that shouldn't happen it just right. always happens where you know it's going to open up a slot for another team like the Raiders to come in so right and if well that's good news if the if the defense is going to improve that much then that should boost Josh Jacobs's value and therefore making him a good pick but as it stands now i'm not sure i'm willing to you know waste not waste but not use a first a third round pick on Josh Jacobs but even though i'm not a Kenyon Drake person Kenyon Drake's ADP going in fantasy drafts is a late eighth round pick. And I think there might actually be some value with him because last year, even though he's not, you know, as we said, he's not, he's not really this great running back, but he actually finished as the running back number 14 overall last year as the starter for the Cardinals. Now he's never broke a thousand rushing yards in his, in his career, you know, even given the chance to be the starter, but get this of all the running backs who have had at least 150 carries, Drake finished dead last in yards after contact. So for me, I think it's safe to say we can close the book on Drake being a third round or a third down back. But what I think is the most interesting and why I find him valuable as an eighth round pick is because the the Raiders are bringing him in to be a to be a three down back. That's Josh Jacobs's job. What they're going to do with Kenyon Drake is use him, you know, with his strengths, and that's going to be the pass catching back. And like yeah, talk- but I'm hold on. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm looking at his stats right now. He had 25 receptions for 137 yards last year. How is that a? What well, am I missing here? I don't think the Cardinals might have used them as much that way because the Cardinals run that air raid that air raid offense. So 
I think they were probably using him more as a as a back, but that's not really what his strength is. I think what his strength is, is or what he's known to be, he's better at catching the ball out of the backfield than Josh Jacobs. But I think that actually works because, like we said, this this is a tough you know this is a tough schedule, especially against the run. So if if that becomes a struggle, dumping the ball off to yeah. somebody like Drake is actually going to be a strength of this team. Yeah, it makes sense because it. 2018 with the Dolphins, he had f- over 50 receptions and almost 500 yards and five touchdowns. As a running back, that's amazing receiving stats. Right, and so like, what what was the point of giving him that big contract? I'm t- I, like, I really think they're they're gonna use him in these situations. If if the running game stalls, and it might, if there's a high chance it might stall with this schedule. Like, I just think they're gonna start dumping it out to him. And I think if that's the case, if you can get him in the late eighth round pick as, as an late eighth round pick, that's incredible value because he can be a solid flex player for most people. Yeah. But they also have uh Jalen Richard, which is, oh, or, what or, is that? Jalen right Richard. Now? Come on, man. He, he had a, a off year last year, whatever. But before that mm-hmm. in 2018, he had 68 receptions for 600 yards. Uh, 2019, 43 receptions for 320 yards. He, he gets the ball a lot in, you know, for being right, a but, pretty, you know, right. But what other options that's... did they have last year? They brought in this guy. They gave him that money. They gave him that contract. Like he's going to be the guy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's tough. It's tough though with Richard because like, you know, he, he was like a pretty good feel good, feel good story undrafted. And he's been performing like he's, he is that receiving, receiving type back. And maybe they're, maybe they're over him. Who knows? But it's interesting if he's still there, if he makes the team, and if Drake's there and Jacobs is there. It's it's just it's just too much going. Like I, my my point is just as an eighth round flyer. Like usually we've already solidified our stars. Like we have our running backs, we have some nice receivers, we might have a nice tight end. As an eighth round flyer for somebody that might like you know again like he got on you know just under a thousand yards with the Cardinals last year. Like he's not terrible. I don't yeah, hate, but like if, the reason I hated him in the past is because last year people were taking him in the second round. Like eighth round sounds yeah. okay to me. Yeah, but eighth round that means they're expected to make a pretty big contribution to your team. Like they they're gonna start. They're Flex. gonna you, you got to be okay with some games will literally have zero points because it's not like last year for the Cardinals he was pretty sure he was pretty featured. You know, mm-hmm. in well, that he was, offense. Yeah, he was a starter, right? Yeah, I mean, what what can he do when Jacobs right. well, is? I again, know he'll get receptions and not, but like those guys aren't consistent. Yeah, he's not my favorite. Again, like that's not what I'm what I'm really saying here. Like I'm not going out of my way to get Drake. I'm just saying that I think as a as a late you know mid round flyer, possibly a good flex player in the eighth round. I just think the value is 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 pretty good right there. That's all I'm saying. All right, well let's move on to another position. A lackluster position, I might add. Uh, the wide receiver position. Uh huh. Let's start with the young star, Henry Ruggs. Um, reports have come out, breaking news reports, that John Gruden wants to get Ruggs more involved in the offense. <laughs> you think? Uh-huh. <laughs> I hope so. He was your first round pick. Yeah, <laughs> I love when I love when the like Roto World sends out tw- uh, you know blasts like that. It's like, uh, hello. Yeah, or when they send like a they send a picture of like a quarterback, a new quarterback throwing a five yard out. 
Yeah, in shorts. Put to the no... eye, the eye emoji. Right, with like... with nobody covering the receiver. Yeah, against air. <laughs> it's like okay. But the facts were last year, Ruggs didn't perform. He had 26 catches for 452 yards and two touchdowns. Now, I think Gruden loved the idea of having Antonio Brown in his offense the year before, you know, before he went batshit crazy. And he went above and beyond and went out of his way to get Henry Ruggs in the 2020 draft. Uh, I mean, CD Lamb was still on the board. I think Jerry Judy was still on the board. Ruggs was the first uh, receiver taken, right? Yes, he was. Right. And I think that's just silly. Like, I understand the need for the speed guy. And, like, they take the top off the defense, and that's great and all. But I'm in the firm believe I'm in the firm camp of believing that you need to have first that big physical receiver you need to yep. have you need to have a big guy first and then add the speed I don't think you should add the speed first and then you know try to plug in because because what happens is what happens with the Raiders now you have a bunch of guys that are under six foot tall that are all fast and unless yep. you're the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid it usually doesn't work. And yeah. I just don't understand the obsession. Um, and if anybody's listened to this podcast for a long time, you know, when we're talking strictly fantasy football, I'm not really into these speed guys because they're boom or bust. And you can't predict boom or bust. You can't predict when Ruggs is going to have those four catches for, you know, 170 yards and two touchdowns. And then the next week he's going to have three catches for 20 yards. So, like, yeah. for me, when it comes to somebody like Ruggs, even though he's going late, He's a mid eleventh round pick, and some people might be like, "Oh my God, that's value!" Like he still hasn't like reached his peak. For me, since you can't predict the boom and bust, I'm out. I'm just out. I can't do it. Yeah, I mean, in general, receivers like that are tough, even if they're consistent. Because like those guys, they're not getting ten receptions a game. They're only getting like four to five. You know, mm-hmm. just based on the stature, their stature, the the position. But the thing is, like. Did Ruggs really do that poorly last year? I think people are overblowing it a little. I just read you the stat. Yeah, and I'm looking at the stats right now. So he did miss four games. He played at least two games hurt. And he had 26 receptions, but for 452 yards, that's a lot of catches per reception. But that's boom or bust. That's what what I'm talking about. It's, it's, It's either you're getting that huge boom game which pays off if you start them, but all the other weeks you start them, you're not getting the payoff. Yeah, but exactly. Like, so he missed a good amount of games. I mean, he, he missed four, but he I'm pretty sure he was hurt for a couple. Well, he, still he put up. But the thing is, he played for Alabama. He never broke 800 yards at Alabama. Like, in Alabama, you're surrounded by the best of the best. Like, the best talent in the world is playing for Alabama. He never went over 1,000 yards. And everybody wants to compare, like, somebody like Ruggs to, like, a Tyreek Hill or Deshaun Jackson. But those guys, which I don't think people understand, they're like a a once-in-a-generational type talent. Tyreek Hill produces week in and week out. Back in the day, Deshaun Jackson did the same thing. Like, not – I just hate when everybody's – like, anybody that's under six foot is always compared to Tyreek Hill. And it just drives me nuts. Yeah, but I, I also think he did a lot better than people think. Like, I, it, people are acting like he was dropping balls and stuff. He was actually making really good contested catches. He was he was doing his job. There were plenty of times where, when did you see the ball even thrown to him? But that's what I'm saying. It's like, I don't know if it's Gruden or the offensive scheme and they're just not getting him the ball. But it's like... I don't know. They, they need a big physical presence that the, the, the defense needs to command a double coverage on yeah. the other side. 
Well, that's Waller. And, Waller, and even honestly, he's tight end, he's that receiver. And honestly, like, not to get that far off track, but, like, this is how I feel about Jalen Waddle in Miami this year. It's, like, the same exact thing. Like, another guy that's dealt with injuries his whole college career, they're saying, oh, my God, he's shifty. He's the next Tyreek Hill, this and that. He's just another speed guy. That's five foot nine. It's just I'm I'm just <laughs> over it, man. <laughs> Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown. Jesus. But anyway. So yes, as Henry Ruggs as a mid eleventh round pick, I know a lot of people might see him as value. If you want to take a shot on him, go for it. Knock yourself out. I am out, and it's only because of the boomer bust thing. But at mid eleven, that's a pretty good value, isn't it? That's your bench player that you you you'll start and you might get you know for for a guy like me besides my opinions kind of shifting during this pod about Darren Waller, I usually wait to grab tight ends and around that round in round eleven or ten I usually start to look for my tight ends there. So I don't know. It's it's tough. It really is. I feel like fan. I mean, it's been well. I did play last year, but the winners always have a boomer bust guy that ends up booming at the right time for them well the interesting and 11th round seems pretty viable for that doesn't it or am i is it different now because that's your bench play you know for me expecting points for me i think that's the time when i'm going to get my my true sleepers i might get somebody like a paris campbell who actually has a shot to be the wide receiver one on the colts somebody like that instead of a rugs it's just the boomer bust thing. Like I think Henry Ruggs yeah. is great in a best ball league because in best ball leagues they take your highest optimal lineup per week and throw them in. So if you have somebody like Henry Ruggs in best ball and he gets four points one week, he stays on your bench. But if he gets twenty five points the next week, he usually goes up into your starter. So, you know, for a best ball league, that's great. But as we stand on this podcast as a redraft, you know, ten to twelve man league, you know, standard or half point PPR, I just don't see the value in rugs. But let's Fair. talk about somebody that might have value that's virtually going undrafted. And we touched on him a little bit earlier. And I actually find a little bit, I have a little interest in this guy, Brian Edwards. Yeah. Now, he didn't have Big a great fan of him. Yeah, he didn't have a great rookie uh, showing last year with only 11 cut catches, 193 yards for one touchdown. Hurt, with, man. Yeah. But with Nelson Aguilar out of the picture, there's now a lot of vacated targets. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but Nelson Aguilar actually took up a lot of targets on this team last year. So after doing a lot of research, I've actually read that there were many times where Edwards has beat his coverage and Carr has looked away. And instead, he's checked down the Waller. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there might be some potential here. And he's actually the tallest receiver on the team. He he's he's the type of receiver that you mentioned, the six three, six two, you know, big possession kind of guy that you know, right. even though he's pretty fast, he's that guy though that exactly you were mentioning earlier. Right. So if he can actually step up and actually you know, I just read those stats, eleven catches, one hundred and ninety three yards. That's actually pretty good. That's eighteen yeah, yards. That's that's yeah. almost eighteen yards per catch. I think that's more than rugs, right? Or right around where rugs was too. Right. So if they can get this guy more involved or if he just, you know, if he puts in a little more time during the offseason, I don't know where he's at. I actually haven't looked into it that far. But if they can get him more involved, like he could be the guy that can, you know, the defense can kind of go towards and open that up for rugs more. Small sample size, but I think there might be something yeah. there. Yeah. And the tough thing was like him, rugs, all the receivers, like first off, Aguilar was getting everything, which is fine. He was crushing it last year, but Ruggs and Edwards, I'm not sure they played together much because both of them got injured mm-hmm. so often. 
So it's, it's one of those things. It's like if everyone stays healthy, you never know. Like he could come along. They could they could all have a good mix. Waller, Ruggs, Edwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they didn't really go for any. I, who was it? Willie Sneed. They didn't really approach wide receivers this year. I'm pretty sure they were set on their guys. So um, right, which they're, which... they're going to give them a chance. Which should instill some confidence in Edwards. Yeah, 100%. So, so I think out of all of these receivers, Edwards is certainly somebody to keep an eye on. I don't think we should be drafting him on draft night, you know, even though he's a late 16th round pick. But, you know, usually in redraft leagues, by the time you get the rounds 15 and 16, we're drafting our kickers and defenses. So he's pretty much going undrafted. But I think he's someone to keep an eye on. I don't think we should draft him. I think we should star him, put him in our watch column. And I think he might be somebody that honestly, like after week one, I think he might be somebody we're like looking to target on the waiver wire right away. Yeah, I could see that definitely. Like it, it's only going to take one touchdown for me, honestly. Yeah. A, cu- a couple catches and a touchdown. And I think I'm, I'm sold. I'm in. I'm using my waiver wire to go get him. Yeah. If he could stay on the field, I really think he could be pretty solid. Yeah, and the other receivers, like you, you kind of touched on uh, Hunter. Well, we didn't talk talk about Hunter Renfro. Oh, um, Willie Sneed, Zay Jones, and John Brown. Uh, John Brown, I'm not even sure if he's you know penciled in as a starter yet, but you know he's getting a little bit older, and I think he'll serve more of a you know a great role player for the team. You know, just not a fantasy team. And Hunter Renfro, I I tried a little bit with Renfro last year. You know, just picking him up off the waiver wire, but. Again, I think he's a great player in real life. I think he'll get you those first downs on third and long or, or whatever, but I just think in the fantasy world, I don't I'm not sure any of these guys are really worth rostering. Yeah, it's tough. He's Renfro's a guy that'll, you know, win you real games. I don't know about fantasy just because right. just because of his position, you know. He's like a 60-70 reception guy, albeit they're all very clutch receptions that, you know, help win games, but Fantasy wise, you know, he, he's definitely that waiver wire, wire filler guy that could probably win you some games if you get lucky and plan it right. Right. Um, you have to catch him on the good game. And that's like another. Yeah, because he he definitely stepped up in games where these guys were injured and he was, you know, the focal point almost him and Waller. Like he he definitely performed and he, he doesn't drop a ball. So. So just to review, Henry Ruggs, <clears throat> you know, as a mid mid 11th round pick. Uh, some, some people might find him as value. If you want to take a shot, I say, go ahead and knock yourself out. I'm passing because of the boomer bust theory. Um, and with Brian Edwards, I think he is somebody to really keep an eye on. I think, you know, we're not drafting him again, but someone to really keep an eye on and, you know, star him, put him in your, put him in your watch list. And if he pops off in week one, that's somebody will be definitely targeting, you know, on the waiver wire right away. Um, so I think we only have one last position to cover here. And that's the quarterback, the star of the whole show, Derek Carr. Yep. So Carr is someone that people aren't taking as the quarterback one, you know, somebody they're going to start week in and week out, but maybe they should be, especially for the people that like to wait a long time on the quarterback. You know, there's some people that play fantasy football and they won't even draft a quarterback. They'll stream a quarterback every week, you know, depending on the matchup. But the thing about Carr is he surprisingly finished as the QB 13 just behind Matt Ryan and ahead of quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Stafford, and Baker Mayfield. The crazy part is, is that this year he's being drafted as the QB 27 after guys like... What? I know. After guys like Daniel Jones, 
Zach Wilson, who's never played a snap in the NFL, and Jameis Winston, who's not even like That's... penned in to start for the Saints. So how does a quarterback that has finished quarterback 13 overall last year going as the quarterback 27 into this year? It makes no sense at all. Well, it's first off, he had an amazing year last year. Yeah, he Probably passed for over his best after MVP. Dude, he he and passed he for over forty one hundred. Yeah, forty one hundred passing yards, twenty seven touchdowns, and nine interceptions. So there's still, I think it's just still that notion that um, you remember before last year he had really erratic fumbles, you right. know, that lost a few games. Some interceptions where you're like, what the hell? Who is he throwing to? Mm-hmm. I think last year he definitely improved on all that. And actually, I actually think he's underrated as a quarterback, which is crazy. I just still think people, they picture him, you know, that diving fumble that he did twice. They picture <laughs> that defense, you know, blowing it. They just associate him with the defense because, you know, they, they the defense was bad that people forget that, like you said earlier, that he was the leader of a top 10 offense. And a leader of a top 10 offense that had a lot of injuries and didn't really have, like, a number one receiver. Like, I mean, obviously Waller's amazing, but you look at that offense, like, he he was the, the leader of it. Like, they it was actually really impressive what he did last year. Right. Um, and to keep them in games, like, especially with the Chiefs, he definitely made some phenomenal throws, too. I think last year his season was overshadowed by how poor the defense was and how the Raiders pretty much crumbled, but there's only so much he could do. And I think he did, you know, like what, what would Tom Brady have done with that, with that Raiders team? Like, well, honestly, you're, like you're asking him to take on the Superman role. He's got a score yeah. almost on every drive. Exactly. And he actually did do a pretty good job of, you know, of that. And, you know, he had 27 touchdowns. Jacobs had 12 rushing touchdowns. They're scoring a lot of, they're scoring a lot of points. Right. Regardless, like, you know, and I don't know. I just still think people associate him with, you know, some of the poor fumbles. They associate him with being a Raider because it's been a pretty, you know, kind of cursed franchise. Right. So, well, I'm glad you said that because I agree with you. I do think he is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. He's super efficient and he's one of the most accurate passers when throwing the ball 20 or more yards downfield. Yep. But I think yeah. the problem is, I think, I think. The biggest problem is people have is, and we touched on this already, they're a run-first team. That's the way Gruden likes to set up the offense. They like to establish the run and take the shot. So, you know, and I don't think that changes anytime soon. You know, I, we talked about Drake. They're break, they brought in Drake on that contract. But, you know, with Drake, you know, there's also a passing opportunity because he's going to be the passing down back. But, you know, I, I don't think that's a reason. I don't think that's a strong enough reason to pass on Carr. I think he is definitely the safest quarterback to own. He's not really, you know, last year he only threw nine interceptions. So if you are somebody that likes to wait on quarterback, I think Carr's your guy. He's perfect. Yeah, and he's, he's perfect. He's mobile too. Like he he run he has he runs well. He he doesn't make those knock on wood. He doesn't do it this year, but he definitely doesn't make those mistakes that he did in the past. Like he was pretty like you could depend on him to have a pretty solid game. No matter what, last year, like it, it, it just got overshadowed by all the other crappy, you know, right. defense and whatnot. Right now, when I play fantasy, I'm I'm typically in the boat where I like to get my quarterback early. I like to start looking for my quarterback in round five. So you know, Carr 
as a late 15th round pick again virtually undrafted because in rounds 15 and 16 we're drafting kickers and and defense in a 16 round draft um he's going undrafted so if you are somebody that waits on quarterback he car's perfect he is the perfect quarterback to own because he provides stability he provides an efficient enough of points week in and week out where you could still survive so if you like to stack up on the skill positions you know the running backs and the wide receivers that's great. You know, I am all for stacking up on those positions. And if you are a type of person that likes to wait for quarterback, you need to get Derek Carr. You just have yeah, to. Yeah, he threw 27 touchdowns. And and even as your QB, too, you know, if you need him to, you need him to fill in for a bye week or anything like that. He threw for 27. He ran for three. You're getting 30 touchdowns. You're, you know, you're... There it is. How many... You know what? How many rushing games? yards did he have? 140. Not Which is pretty good for yeah, a quarterback. Like not, that's I mean, not, not that's not a rush. That's not a running quarterback. Right. So I mean, yeah, it, it just got overshadowed. Like people still think that's car the car of you know after after his injury. You know, he definitely did struggle, but he's pretty efficient. Like you said, like he's definitely not making those mistakes anymore. He had his most pass yards last year, mm-hmm. and he had the second best TD to um, pick ratio besides his MVP. Right, and, and that so. goes to my point from earlier that Gruden's offense has consistently gotten better being, you know, the biggest jump from 2019 to 2020. So who's to say that, you know, that we might not see even a bigger jump heading into this season? Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, they still, they, you know, I don't think people associate Dar- Darren Waller as a star yet, even though he is. But, like, Carr's leading an offense where, you know, there's no, like, Devontae Adams or anything. This is, like... Right. Well, you he, almost he's doing I, there, pretty good. There were good rumors for, where Devonte was coming yeah. over there. <laughs> but Carr is performing really, really damn well for what he has around him. Like I agree. Which isn't that stable either, which is pretty impressive. I agree. So again, if you wait on quarterbacks, go get Derek Carr. He is a consistent force, very underrated quarterback. Make sure you get him. Um, and I, you know what? I, that's our show for today. Good show, man. <laughs> That about wraps everything up. I want to again thank Timon for taking the time out of his busy schedule to come on the pod and help break down these Raiders. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Timon Amiri. That's T-E-E-M-O-N Amiri, all one word on Twitter. Or just swipe up to learn more about him. Just a fantastic guest and a very knowledgeable guy. T, thanks for coming on. Thank you, man. Don't forget to follow Anthony Germain on Twitter. It's Talking Sunday. <laughs> T-A-L-K-I-N-G Sunday. Oh, that all that, one word. The the listeners get that plug every episode in the beginning, so they, they know all about that. Yep. But but, but honestly, but you know, thanks for coming on. You've been great. Uh Anytime. You know, maybe, maybe we'll have you on again sometime soon. Yes, sir. All right, man. We'll talk to you. Cool, man. Thank you. Appreciate it.